Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach. Today, I have an amazing woman joining me uh, as my guest. This is great. I've got Andrea Edwards. She's a speaker. She's a social change agent. She is focused on empathy and compassion. And today, we're talking about, among other things, because I'm sure we'll talk about other things, today we'll talk about Uncommon Courage, which happens also to be the name of her book, Andrea Edwards. Andrea, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really delighted to be here. I, love I, am, <laughs> I am delighted to have you here. This is great. So Uncommon Courage is a, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful step into an arena of, you know, people think of, of uh, courage as being something that is extraordinary. You know, you have to muster it up. And it, your take on Uncommon Courage is actually, it's, it's kind of like, look at where it comes from. And it's an interesting exploration. So I want to get into that. And I want to get into your journey. Like what allowed you to really become, you do digital marketing as well. You do all kinds of things for businesses. Um, you didn't start there. So if we wound back the clock, where did like your first interest, where'd you grow up? Because here's the thing is that we have a listening audience as well as a viewing audience and out of your mouth is not the California accent that I have. So talk a little bit about where you're from and where'd you grow up and how'd you grow up? Uh, all right. So I grew up about uh, 300 kilometers north of Melbourne in Australia. So, yes, it's an Australian accent, but it's um, also an accent that's changed a little bit over the years. I've been living away from Australia since 1995. Uh, I am addicted to the world, I suppose. But, yeah, so I grew up in a, a sort of a, it's a large rural sort of country town, very Catholic community, and um, it was a wonderful childhood in in, in the ways that it was, you know, everything was possible. I used to race bikes as a teenager. I did bodybuilding. Uh, I played in the local brass band, which is where my big musical sort of journey began. And um, then, yeah, what did, so... What did you play? Just curious. I, I, okay. I played the euphonium. Well, it's the in instrument I mastered, which is like a small tuba. So it's not a, it's not a common instrument in right. American bands, concert bands. No, it's more more of a traditional British brass band instrument. It's a little higher than a, isn't it? Tuba, yeah. yeah. It's it's, it, it's always described as the cello of the brass band world, so it sort of sits at that sort of level. But it's a beautiful instrument, and I love playing it. And you know, my, after I went to university, my first job I was a musician in the Australian Army, so I really <laughs> did love playing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, I see my childhood as one of freedom. So freedom has always been a quality that I valued in my life, but also um, a, a lot of stubbornness is there as well. So I, I, I got my strength in my teen years. I got my, my mindset 
sort of, you know, I knew who I was and not, you never really know who you were, who you yeah. are when you're a teenager, but um, <clears throat> I was well and truly onto the journey of just the confidence in, in my ideas, the conviction in, in what I thought was correct. And while I was always open, um, I, I think from a pretty young age, I, I, I started to become pretty sort of, I don't even know how to describe it, but just, I knew who I was, you know, and that's amazing. Most yeah. teens are searching for who they are up until they're, you know, 80 years old. So yeah. uh, <laughs> most people are indeed. Yeah. And I mean, you go, you go through your parents getting divorced and of course it's not just the moment they get divorced. It's the, the period of time, the breakdown beforehand. And I sure. think that helps as well to get that inner strength because your safety is taken away and all of a sudden You've got, to, you've got to be strong in yourself. And obviously a lot of people struggle with that. So you, then it went on to obviously musician in the army after, after university. And then um, I sort of moved my way in public, into public relations for the defence forces, which was fascinating. And then that sort of opened up a career where I started in the aerospace industry, which was amazing. And then put my backpack on, landed in London eventually. And um, the tech, uh, you know, Microsoft was just really taking off as a big global international company. So, <coughs> so um, yeah, so I really, um, that, that, that was the beginning of that journey and it was amazing. And then I went to Boston, went to New York, a year in Sydney, then to Singapore, then to Phuket, then back to Australia, then back to Singapore. So it's just sort of been wandering around the world. But so it was public relations and it was content marketing. And the last sort of job that I was in working for a big company was, was, for, was for Microsoft on their communications team. Then I went to a content agency. And the one thing that I kept saying that was missed is the employees of companies were not owning their voices on social media. They weren't sharing the beautiful content their companies were creating. And I, I, people started asking me to teach them how to be on social media. So that's where that sort of journey in the digital conversationalist came from. And I've been doing that. I just had the six-year anniversary of the Digital Conversationalist, and I love I love that part. And it's all about teaching people how to participate on social media with a mindset of service, uh, a giving economy mindset. It's not about you; it's about the people that you serve. And That's just, so you know, great. Being really being being authentic, being real, because we there's enough nonsense out there, right? <laughs> so uh, yeah, there was a time that I called myself the outfluencer. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> because I got so tired of being, you know, like, oh, are you an influencer? And the influencers that I knew were the ones going, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And it's it's like, can we show up and lift somebody else? Can we show up and and make a difference in someone else's life? You show up and you share something that might actually uh, help someone versus make it a spotlight on yourself. So yeah, amazing. Uh, the digital conversationalist is the moniker that you've taken on, which I love. Um, and, and now you're living in Phuket. Mm -hmm. That's you right. are. Yep. What a great place. Like, and we've only, you know, at least in, my assumption, I'm making an assumption that most Americans only know about Phuket from uh, Survivor, right? The show, the television show oh, right. yeah. that was filmed there. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, how is that? Well, I've got to say, you know, during the pandemic, it's been a, 
an amazing place for us as a family to be. We came here so that our sons could go to, there's a school here that's got a particular program that one of my sons in particular needed. And um, that's been amazing. It's called Arrowsmith. I don't know if you've ever come across Barbara Arrowsmith, the woman who changed her brain. No. Um, so it, it, it's not that, uh, it's not accessible everywhere around the world, but um, in in Asia it's Phuket. So we, we, we came back to Phuket after trying to live here in when the 2008 um, global economy crashed, um, but it just wasn't the right time. Yeah, our son, one of my sons, he was 15 months old at the time. He got um, he got electrocuted <laughs> touching a light, and we're like, oh, no, we can't do this. And uh, it was just small, small children at that time. But now, definitely, it's changed a lot. Um, but yeah, so it's been a great time to ride out the pandemic, but it's also been a devastating time because the economic impact here in this part of the world from how long the, the this pandemic has gone on for. Yes. It's been, it's been very, very brutal for people and it still is brutal for people and we're still seeing it, and, you know, and then we've got the whole Ukraine war coming into in, into account and it's very, very difficult for people around the world going through this time and living next door to people who are suffering so much has been challenging. I mean, I've, I've been involved in the community. All of us have come together and we're all doing a lot of work to help each other. We've got the mindset, let's make it through together. I think it's important to have that mindset. I'd like to see that mindset at play more around the world, but, um, you know, let's take care of each other because everyone benefits when you do. You know, crime was starting to go up and it was simple things like people breaking into houses, stealing food. It wasn't it wasn't um, violent crime. Mm-hmm. Crime happens at the same time. So let's take care of each other and make sure no one's hungry. When a person's hungry, they they have no... They have no ability to make a rational decision, you know, you, so let's make sure everyone's fed. And there's been amazing people in this community doing so much work to help our neighbours. So it's been inspiring at the same time. What a beautiful message, truly, you know, and, and to simply remember that. I mean, there's so much that we need to be grateful for. You know, we, you know, my, the audience, right, we each... Yeah. Our wake up and we have these devices we can listen to or watch this podcast on. And um, with that, there's an assumption that probably food is in the house and, um, you know, things are going okay. And, and there's so many who have less. And so, you know, what can we do? I love the saying, let's make sure everyone's fed, you know, and your, your focus has been on empathy and compassion and bringing that to, the corporate center as well. Um, so, I mean, it's, <laughs> you gave me, uh, you know, you gave us, you shared with us quite a, a lot of like, here's my life. Whoosh. Uh, and it's great. So what is the work you're doing now? Um, what is like, <laughs> what is the biggest impact you're having and where do you think you're going to have a, an even bigger impact? Oh, that's such a good question. I, I don't know. I don't know what the ultimate goal is. I'm just sitting here trying to do my part to wake humanity up to the crisis that we're facing on so many levels. Right. So I do this thing called a weekend reads and it's everything I'm reading and watching in a week. And I share it every single Saturday. And the reason I share it is because too many people are stuck in their knowledge silos so that's one of the things that I'm trying to do to counter that challenge. We have to go wide. 
We can't rely on single sources. We can't make good decisions if we can't see the whole picture. So, you know, if you go and look at my weekend reads, it's every type of publication across the world. It's not just that single source, which most people rely on, and it's dangerous. I love that. I love that. I'm one of the... uh, 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 you're one of the few people I know that uh, read beyond one newspaper or one TV source or whatever. I um, I get uh, I get my news from around the world. I get six six or eight different news sources um, because, and I listen to to you know in America we've got a two party system and it's become pretty divisive on both sides. It's pretty horrible, you know? Um, and so I, I listen to what both sides are saying. Yeah. Um, just to hear like, how are you tearing the other person down? How are you tearing the other side down? And what do you really believe in? And what I'm hearing is there's not really a lot of belief in anything. There's just a lot of ad hominem attacks, which yeah. that's not news, you know? So yeah. So I, I'm it's, delighted. It's not, it's not serving the society. It's not serving American society. It's not serving any of the societies because it's not just happening in America. I mean, I'm seeing it in Australia. Yeah. I think Australia is coming out of – so one of the challenges in, in democracies that I, I see is demographics. So the baby boomer generation, which have a different – they just have different priorities, right? Yes. They're – we, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer. Are you a Gen Xer? I'm a, I'm, I'm a tail end of a boomer. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so you must be pretty close. But and and this isn't saying you know the whole boomer criticism right. that's been going on for a number of years. Um, I think we've got to be really careful of, you know, saying a whole generation is a bad thing. Well, anytime, any time you make a, and this goes for every one of our audience members. Anytime you say they and you create a group, um, you're probably about to put your foot in something you don't want to, because yeah, all of a particular group isn't all no. of a particular group, right? So, yeah. No, but from a voting perspective, from a housing market perspective, from from you know a lot of the issues that we're looking at. It's a, it is a generational issue because, mm-hmm. you know, as a Gen Xer, I won't have more voting power than my parents until 2028. And that's in Australia, that's in America, that's in the UK. Yes. Uh, so, you know, just, just, just that as, as, as an idea. And uh, I talk about it and people sort of went, go, oh, really? Oh. Ne- never really thought about it. But it's a Well, that's numbers. Thing. That's statistics yeah. and numbers, right? So, yeah, yeah that's... That's real versus a personality trait. You know, all Gen Zers are what, yeah. uh, what's being said. Lazy, um, yeah. like they don't care. It's yeah. like, no, <laughs> that's wrong. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. We do, we do need the Gen Zs and the millennials to vote for their future because it is their future and I can't help them because I don't have more power than my parents. So, you know, I think that's a, that's, that's a bit of an issue that we've really got to overcome. But the other thing is, We've got to all start to look at ourselves. And if we're – so Uncommon Courage is my path to contentment and peace within myself. And as a, you know, as a teenager, I was raging like everybody else when my parents got divorced. You know, I was angry for a long time and I was probably in my early 20s, but really it was after I started to get on the road and really travel 
and create distance from my family and from my community and get to know who I was outside of other people's idea of what I was. Uh, and but also spending time in my mind, spending time listening to the to the ideas that I had in my head, and and realizing, wait a minute, that's not even my idea. Somebody else put that there. Okay, so do I believe that idea? Is it is is that one of my values? You know, I looked at, at the Catholicism. I'd already reject, rejected it like ten years before that, but I started to really pull it down, and you know, I call it the tendrils of thought. And you know, I looked at them all, and then I pushed them away. And I could do that because I. I moved into this period, long periods of silence when I was traveling. And so it's about that, but it's not just about my experience. It's also my observations as I'm traveling and living in different parts of the world and seeing different cultures. And, you know, every culture is beautiful and every culture is bad. You know, we're all, the, you know, but the bad is a tiny percentage of, of, of the good and everywhere. And it doesn't matter what race people are, what religion they are. It doesn't matter where people come from there's more good than bad. And you, when you start to see the beauty of humanity, you can't be involved in the division. So I watch people, I see their faces contorted in such anger. Mm. I think, what, why do you want to keep that in your body? Why, do, why are you so angry about this? It's not even, you know, like the whole LGBTQ sort of debate that's been going on in America. Like if, if they're not harming you if then if they're not in your life like if they're not forcing you to live in a different way you know it, why can't we just accept all forms of humanity and be at peace with each other and you can't not feel like that once you've seen all of the beauty that's in the world so but it's more about really people carry so much in their bodies so much negative energy in their bodies and negative emotions and we don't have to no. So a friend of mine recently said to me the book, I'm I'm thinking for her. You know, she goes, I don't have to I don't have to spend all that time doing all that thinking. You've already done it for me, and I think that was a that was that's a good result. It, well, to uh, you know, I'm a fan of prompting people to think differently, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I will offer ideas, and I want people to come up with their own concepts maybe based on something I've said, but maybe pushing directly against something I've said. Um, and, and I think that is, um, you know, you, what you had said is, uh, who put the ideas in my head? I'm reading. Who put the ideas in my head? Are they my ideas? Uh, and you call them tendrils of thought. And it is so good. It's a big, it's a big portion of my work when I work with people at the VIP level. Um, I call it mind state versus mindset right? What's your state? And can you choose a different one? And, and the idea of where did the stories that you're telling yourself, at what point did the rules that you learned as a kid become the stories that you were carrying forward? And as an adult, don't you have a choice about what you continue to carry forward? And I think what a lot of us miss is something that you've you stepped into so um, elegantly, which is travel. Because when you step out of the culture that you know, you do get to see humanity in a different way. And I love the other thing you said, which is when you see the beauty of humanity, and then you could fill in the blank with pretty much anything after that, because it is about the beauty. So I love this. I love 
what you're sharing. Um, what, what is it that you want most people to know, right? I mean, one of the things you've said is you don't have to carry it in your body. What else? Like, what can we do if we're not, if we're more aware, if we're more aware of the beauty of humanity, what does that do for us? And how do we find that beauty? You know, one of the, one of my passions has always been history. And when you look back through history, uh, you wonder how did, you know, when World War II, most people can relate to that. How did it happen? You know, how, how did the people allow it to happen? You know, and, and, and I've never been able to make sense of that until probably the last five years because I can see it, how it happens now. And it happens by us being divided. And that's a, a story of history is divide and conquer, right? Um, mm. Go back through Roman history, the Germanic tribes, they just couldn't get the message. If we come together, we can beat these guys. And uh, for, for a very long time, they were really struggling with that unity. And what we've been looking at around the world, and I know in America people have a very um, can can have a very American view of what's going on mm. from a news perspective, because your news so your news sources are very American focused. It's a big country; it makes sense. But for someone like me who sort of looks, I look at news from everywhere because I've lived and travelled and moved everywhere. Um, it's going on everywhere. You know, in India, there's a real issue with the Muslim community and it's it's a very, very, very terrible thing that's happening there. In Australia, the divisions are very similar to what you're seeing in America because, of mm. course, Murdoch, Murdoch has media dominance in Australia as well and he pushes a narrative. Um, if you look at countries, you know, if you want to look at a country that really brings its people together and does does amazing work, just look at Singapore. Look at the Prime Minister, Prime Minister Lee Seong Lung, when he speaks, he's always worth listening to. Um, he, he's, a, I think, one of the great diplomats. But we look at the rhetoric between the superpowers. We look at what's going on with Putin in the Ukraine. We look at all of this, and it's it's pushing us in one direction, and it's not a good direction, and we've got the climate crisis on top of it. So the only thing that we need to be doing right now is coming together. The separation of us will lead to unimaginable suffering. Because we have to come together to overcome the challenges the world is facing. It's it's our only chance. And this is the, it's uh, it, it sounds like a a plea to Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, help us. You're our, you're our only hope. Dr. Wayne Purnell, Dr. P, would like to invite you to dare to declare that your dreams are worthy. Beyond all of the success you have that got you here, you know you're bigger than the life you're currently living. What have you set aside to get to where you are? Don't you want to wake that back up? It really is possible to explore new dreams and dare to desire without giving up your current path of success. Pop over to Dr. Purnell's free masterclass to help you get from your desire to your destination. www powerfulpresencemasterclass.com That's powerfulpresencemasterclass.com Dr. P's free masterclass is at www.powerfulpresencemasterclass.com
Andrea, how do you think we can come together? I mean, the the world history has has been riddled with division. There have always been wars. Um, the other side of that is there's always been peace as well. So how do we how do we spread more of one than the other? We've never been in a position that we're in that we're in right now. But this has never happened before. There's so many different forces coming together at the same time. So yes, when you look back, we can't take a lot of inspiration from from behind us. We actually have to move into a, a future that is completely different from anything we've ever experienced. And you know, when I when I listen to the Doomers, uh, I, have, I don't know if you've heard the term Doomers. They're becoming quite prolific, and they're becoming prolific because. Awareness of the global crisis from a climate emergency has only just really started to gain uh, the tipping the tipping point momentum. So when you first come to terms with the crisis, it's a pretty overwhelming thing to to understand, and you are going to go into despair. You, and that's why a lot of people don't want to do it because why would you choose that, right? But mm. we need people to choose it because we really are running out of time. If you read the IPCC reports, the series, you know, from last year and the two this year. Um, but IPCC reports are always very conservative. And, you know, they're saying, <laughs> they're saying, you know, this is, you know, the red, the red, what, what was it? What was um, he saying? The red, the red alarm bell for humanity. I can't remember off the top of my head, but here we, we are here, right? And in order for us to make it through with the least amount of suffering possible. So every time, every delay increases suffering. So it's we, we are going to have to adapt. We are, you know, we are going to have to change. So what are you seeing, right? Because it's... Oh, it's I don't know if you want to know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, here's the thing is it's it's easy to... to uh, it's, it's easy to go, um, you know, y- yikes, the end is near. Um, it's another thing to say, you know, our, our climate is in trouble, like global warming is real and most people are actually seeing that now. Um, it's another thing to say, wow, the world is in trouble. Look at all the fighting. Um, and you know, my message is typically one of you've got to level up your your own personal energy in order to lift other people not be sucked into the doom and gloom of the stories that are out there and so what you're talking about is actual actually a balance uh, which is perfect because i never say level up and don't pay attention to it i say level up so that you can right you're feeling bad about something never changes uh, the ability, like you, you don't have the ability if you feel bad about something to actually make a difference. If you feel powerful and know what's coming, you can actually step in and make a difference. So, um, that's, I guess, where I'd love to take this conversation is there's bad stuff happening. There's good stuff happening, seeing the beauty in humanity. What can, like, if you said, okay, look, there's thing there are things we need to do what kind of steps are you are you saying we should be either taking or at least paying attention to 
the first and most important step is you have to start facing the crisis. And yes, it's a very, very difficult thing to face. It, when it sinks in where we are as a, as a society, as a global society, um, it's very difficult to not sink into a, a, a very deep level of despair because we have gone too far. We, we didn't listen. 20 years ago, we, we should have been making pretty dramatic changes and now here we are and we're going to have to make them a lot faster and it's going to hurt a lot more. I mean, I'm talking the global economy needs to, to change. Um, how we live, fossil fuels in the ground, no, no new licences, you know, there's a lot of protests going on about that. Um, us as consumers, you know, we are over-consuming at such a massive rate. And I was reading something recently, you should only buy three new items of clothing a year. You know, can, can people imagine being like that? Mm. And, and one, but once you, once you actually accept it all, right, and you, and you go through your despair and you go, right, okay, now what can I do? And that's when, that's when you really feel the momentum. And we need billions of people saying, what can I do? So it's a numbers game. Um, most of the hopelessness comes from the lack of belief in humanity being able to step into this moment in time and being the people that we need to be to drive the changes that we need to drive. But we have to accept suffering. So I know in um, November, America's going through its next election cycle, the midterm election. And the chances are uh, the Republicans will gain some seats, which means that the Democrats are basically going to be useless for two years because they have no power. And that's a disaster for the world, those situations. When, 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 when there's nobody who's making any momentum anywhere and everyone's just fighting with each other, and it's not a Republican or a Democrat thing, it's just useless. Like in Australia, their, their election's coming up in May. It looks like the opposition party will get in and have a significantly higher number of seats. Now, they, that means they can do something, right? We're, we're, we've been in a deadlock for too long between the opposing parties and action, action is what it takes. And, and, but as, as voters, as citizens, we need to say, I know what needs to happen and I need to accept that I'm going to have to suffer. You know, these aren't easy decisions, but the, but the place to start is with yourself and, and changing your lifestyle, you know, and it's a real joy to change your lifestyle, you know, my composting solution, which is extensive, I'm going to have to do a video on it, um, it gives me joy. I can't believe I've got joy and there's maggots in the middle of it, you know. Um, but I feel like I'm contributing. That's a, that's a great quote. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 yeah, um, nothing that comes into our house, you know, if, if it comes in and we don't always choose what comes in, but where does it go next? That throwaway culture that we've built. You know, yeah. when I got, when I was in America just before the pandemic, I'm, I was shocked by the amount of waste, you know, plastic cutlery everywhere. You don't just have one napkin, you have 10 napkins, um, takeaway boxes, um, an apple in a plastic container with a little tub of caramel. I mean, there's so much waste and we've just got to stop it. You know, if it exists for a moment to serve you in your life, that's part of the problem that we're trying to overcome. And we need to we need to stop the throwaway culture and you know people with four cars in the driveway. Do you really need four cars? Could you could you get down to one? You know, and it's not about replacing. Like people say, oh well, electric vehicles will replace. They'll fix the problem. Well, no, 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 because it takes seven years for an electric vehicle 
to counter out its emissions from its creation mm. before it starts actually. But if you know if you've got four cars now and they're all gas guzzlers and you're going to move to four electric vehicles, it's not really the solution. We need to shrink everything down. You know our contribution on the planet. You know Amer- America and Australia. I think we live within the the uh, the ability of the planet to serve us. Uh, we already run out by like March every year. So I don't know if you've seen every year. There's uh, when the planet overshoots Earth, and what it can uh-huh. what it can provide us, and then it does it by country. Australia and America, uh, we we overshoot by March. We don't even make it through three months before Amazing. we take on. You know, and we've just got to. We're out of balance. We're out of yes. balance everywhere. <laughs> you know, years ago, I don't know if you if you know this. Years ago, probably in the late seventies, actually might have been early 80s there was a film called Koyanasquatchi and 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 the subtitle was life out of balance and it's it's like yeah this conversation has been going on for decades decades and and it's one of the things you know we we talk about um we need to change and everyone like if you were in front of a a crowd and you said what you said people would nod their heads and say yeah we probably do and and how many of us are willing to say okay i will begin that process i can't commit a hundred percent i'm at least going to be more aware and i'm going to make a different choice and in america you know we're we're starting to see like we we're obsessed with perfect food, um, right? And it's like the the perfect apple is what makes it to the store. The not so perfect apples, where do they go, right? So um, we're we're actually seeing uh, kind of imperfect uh, food services showing up. Like, look, this was grown on a real tree, and okay, it might have a uh, a brown spot on it. Oh, oh, it's still edible. Right. It's like it doesn't have to be polished and waxed and all that stuff. Um, so, I mean, what you're talking about is is psychological safety and individual comfort. And you're inviting people into an uncomfortable place yeah. that may or may not be suffering. You've used the, the term suffering multiple times. I'm a bigger fan of the word struggle because I think like a butterfly that pulls pushes out of its cocoon the wings get stronger when it struggles it's not suffering to do that and so um it's kind of a volitional act to step into i can do things that are uncomfortable and i think that's that's one of the the things where i can you know kind of applaud this this work where it's like yeah we can we can struggle without it being true suffering. You know, there's enough suffering in the world for us to step into that. Um, Mm -hmm. My perspective. I I like the distinction, but I do think if we don't get it right, we will be suffering. (laughs) That may be so. Yeah. Right. So the choice is to step into struggle, (coughs) excuse me, or to, to suffer the consequence of suffer. Um, That may be so. Um. This is great. I didn't know where our conversation was going to go today. Uh, and, the best and, conversations, right? <laughs> uh, true, right? So 
was there something you were hoping that I'd ask you? Was there something that was like, oh, dang, you know, I hope we're, I hope we talk about this or that, or, um, oh, I really want to make sure that I touch on this point. Like, is there something that you were hoping to say or hoping I'd ask you that I haven't, I haven't touched on yet? I'm just delighted you wanted to talk to me about the climate emergency because um, it's not something I, 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 every single day I am showing up on social media. I do this daily tip now, which I've been doing for six weeks and I'll probably keep going for as long as it'll just keep going because there's always something, right? And it's education, it's, it's tips on what you can do, it's helping people understand the terminology because there's a lot of people quite confused about it and it... I, I'm participating on social media at the moment in a way that I actually discourage my clients to do because I'm, it's all the time, right? And and it's just because I've got such a sense of urgency now. You know, I look into my children's eyes. They tell me their dreams for the future. Mm. Um, you know, they, they want to have children. You know, one of them wants to have four kids. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, are you mad? Why would anyone <laughs> want that? No, only joking. Um, two's enough for me. But um you know, I look, but I look into their eyes and they tell me their dreams and, and I don't know if their dreams are possible. And they know I'm out there fighting for their future. And okay. in their minds, you know, they're 14 and 15 and they're going to wake up to the reality soon. But in their mind, their mum's fighting for them. And, yeah. that, that, and I can't stop. I can't stop fighting for them, not just for them, for all children. And, Good. you know, we've had it so easy for so long. So easy for so long, you know, in the Western world, countries like America, countries like Australia. And that time is, it needs to be over because we've had it so easy that we've created the problem that the rest of the world is now facing. And we have to get our minds around this and we have to start preparing, you know. We should be building refugee cities all over the world so that we know where the floods of the, of the climate refugees are going to come from. They're already trying to get into America across the borders, right? But mm -hmm. there's so many more parts of the world. We need to get ready and we should be building the infrastructure so that they can move somewhere, be safe, not be sold into slavery, not suffer, you know, not just the, the things that those people have to go through. If they can eventually get to a place of safety, we, 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 should, be, we should be prepared for that, um, you know, if we don't wake up and, and, and it's as bad as what people say it's going to be, um, you know, everyone's going to be clustered up in the north. Well, what are we doing to get ready for that? How are we going to feed people when we don't have the, the landmass to grow the food? You know, these are big, big things that are coming at us. Um, and, you know, I think one of the recent issues that came up uh, when the IPCC report came out uh, is they weren't expecting what's happening in the world they weren't expecting it to happen till 2050. So when people go, it's, oh, it's 2100, it's so far away, it's not. It's happening now, it's happening faster, it's more urgent. You know, we saw the heat waves in two poles at the same time, at a time of year that they shouldn't have experienced that. We saw the carving of an iceberg the size of Los Angeles. It was considered a safe um, ice shelf. Uh, we're seeing... Uh, bleaching in the Great Barrier Reef, uh, in safe reefs. You mm. know, if we get to 1.5 degrees, 70 to 90% of the ocean's reefs will be dead. And that's that's the beginning of the end of life in the ocean. And we've got to, <laughs> we can't just sit there and take this news on board. We've got to change what's creating it 
and we're all contributing to that. And, you know, I was reading recently the top 10% of people who are contributing the most, yeah. it's only a salary of $38,000 a year. The top 1% is $119,000 a year. So practically everyone we know is in the top 10% who are contributing. And obviously the, 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 the mega rich, are, you know, they're contributing, their individual emissions of, are of a nationwide impact. You know, of course, you look at Musk, Elon, Branson, you know, they're flying into space. It's nation, nation impact, right? But we all have to start doing it. So I'm really, so a long way of saying I really appreciate the fact that you um, are, are open to talking about it because I know for a lot of people they're not ready. Uh, I think it's changing quickly now, though, and uh, and I'm, I'm happy about that. But yes. get, re- get ready for the emotional journey when you do decide to face up to it. Just read the IPCC reports or the coverage about it. Read That's the top great. five issues. Just start. And um, I always say I'm here for the eco-anxiety journey because you've just got to get through it. You can't fight it. You can't resist it. It's pretty pretty bleak. Get through it as quickly as you can. Come out the other side and then step into action because that's where we need to get everyone as quickly as possible. That is the piece, right? That is that is the thing that we we need to be doing, um, and I think that it's really important. Most most of us, um, you know, I did a I did a TED talk recently, and and the core message there was: we know what we know, and we stick to what we know because our identity is tied to what we know, and can we dare we choose to explore maybe something that's beyond what we know right can we look at at something else so yeah i uh you know this one sharp sword has not really been political or climate oriented or uh human trafficking oriented or uh like there are some things that are, you know, literacy is uh, a pet of mine. Um, and I haven't really had guests on that, that are passionate experts like you. So um, welcome to a change in the conversation here. And I appreciate that. I appreciate your perspective and it's uncomfortable and it's perfect, right? Because if everything was, Oh, I know that. And you're right. I could level up. It's like, this is a different way of leveling up, you know, finding out information, just start there. Right. Not everybody has to throw out their cars yet. Um, but at least start there, right? At least start there. Look at, look at consumption. You said, uh, I mean, something you said like through me, you know, which is um, buy only three items of clothing a year. It's like, Oh well, huh? <laughs> right? It's like oh. Someone, someone said to me, "Does that does that include underpants?" <laughs> but but it's not a, it's not a, it's not about that. It's about uh, getting involved in community swaps. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's um, shopping at the secondhand shop. Right. It's it's every piece of clothing that you've got once it starts falling apart, chop it, chop it up, uh, sew up the seams, get your sewing skills going again, which most of us lost. And uh, use it for wrapping presents or cleaning sure. cleaning cloths in the house. The idea is, you know, we just it's just a, well, we need to move into an era of thinking. 
We yes. stopped thinking. And, you know. I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan yeah, of. Yeah, me too. I'm yeah. a fan of thinking and, and critical thinking, right? Yeah. Think yeah. it through. Think it through. So, yeah, really good. Really good. Um, anything else that you are hoping to, to bring? Um, you know, as I said, I, it's like there's so much about your background. There's so what you have is so rich, you know, and um, your experience is beyond most of, well, it's beyond my experience. It's beyond most of our listeners um, because of where you've lived, because of how you grew up because of what you've seen, because of the research you're doing. So, um, you know, it's a different kind of leadership, what you're demonstrating. Yeah. I bring I bring more traditional leaders here. And so, you know, uh, people who have been senior vice presidents of this company or that, and, um, and uh, the leadership lessons are not dissimilar from what you've said, which is we need to come together. We need to communicate. We need to, to unify. And it's like, yeah, at a very basic level, that's where we need to start. So um, I love that. Is, uh, again, I'll, I'll put it back to you. Is there anything else that you uh, are hoping to bring to the audience today? Yeah, well, so really go, thinking about your audience. So the, the, the thing that I, I, I get paid for, I suppose, all the other stuff that I'm talking about, is uh, my mission. Uh, but the thing that I get paid for is I work with business leaders, executives, but I work across the entire employee base, but I focus on the executive team first. And if you have the opportunity to do this, you should always start with the executive team. And that is really stepping into and owning your voice on social media about the issues that you care about. A lot of people are stepping away from social media because there's too much narcissism, there's too much me, 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 all that sort of stuff. We can't step away from social media. It's where the global conversation is happening. We have to step into it. If you've got something of value to, to put into the centre of, of a conversation, you owe it to us to, to, to participate. Um, you know, because this is the, when, when you're silent, when, you, when you're silent, you're accepting what's happening. We can't accept what's happening. We have to be part of the global conversation to change what's happening. And mm. that's a real that's a real big point for me. But for, for leaders of organisations, whatever it is you care about, and it can be a very deep, deep sort of expertise in a particular area. It could be talking about being a leader in today's world. It can be artificial intelligence, if that's your passion. It could be the environment, um, s- slavery. It can be any of those topics. Whatever you care about, going out and being a voice and being a champion for that topic is I believe an obligation. You know, Edelman's trust barometer was released at the beginning of the year. I know that trust, um, like if they went and did the trust now after the Ukraine uh, war, it, things would have changed. The media has really stepped into this moment for the first time in a long time. Um, but we, as leaders, we need to be a voice out there in the world and we need to be part of the conversation. So that's something I'd say is focus on what it is. It doesn't have to be about the business that you work for. It has to be about what you care about and turn up with the intention of driving change, educating people. You can make people laugh if you want. That's good too. We need that. Um, but, yeah, but be a voice in the world. We need, we need the good people of the world to step up into their voices. So I think that's probably one of the bigger messages that um, I want to share, especially, especially when you were talking about who your audience is yeah. to do that. It's good. Our kids, our kids deserve it, right? Well, yeah, I mean – 
we all deserve it. Our kids deserve it. I mean, yeah, in terms of benefit extension, who, who how far do we cast our ripples, right? So um, our kids, our kids' kids, that's great. And, you know, that message is actually congruent, very congruent with my message. And, and, and I'll leave it with that, I'll, you know, that it's, we are at a place where your voice matters. That's it. And um, just recognize that, I mean, the other, the, other, the other part of that that goes with this is nobody else has your voice and you don't know, as an individual, you don't know who's going to hear you and resonate with you where they didn't resonate when they heard it, you know, a day before from someone else. So uh, we each need to be talking about the things we're passionate about. Andrea, thank you. This was great. Uh, very nice. Andrea Edwards, where do people find you if they want to find out more about you? I'm, I'm really easy to find. My social media profile, my website is Andrea T. Edwards. Um, I've also got uncommon-courage.com, another website. Um, but, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm, I'm, as I said, I'm very active on social media, especially at the moment. And um, I'm sharing lots of different stuff on lots of different topics, but... It's all about driving knowledge and awareness, and like you said, critical thinking. It's that's what I, that's what I'm all about. We, knowledge is going to get us out of this mess. Yes, <laughs> very good. Knowledge, awareness, critical thinking. Awesome. I'm writing it down. Um, Andrea T. Edwards is where to find her. So please, uh, please look it up. Look her up. Um, Uncommon-Courage is the other place. Andrea Edwards, Andrea T. Edwards. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, it's, nice. it's really nice to meet you. You too. Thank you. This is One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. Uh, an exceptional, very interesting uh, guest today, Andrea T. Edwards. And... I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Exponential Success Coach. Thanks for being here. We'll see you here next time. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Breakthrough Success Coach and your powerful presence mentor. 